Welcome to Missionary Roundtable with your host, Kale Horvath. Hey there, everybody. My name is Kale Horvath. I'm a pastor and missionary to the country of Hungary. Welcome back to season two of Missionary Roundtable. We aired season one last summer in 2020, and uh, I actually recorded all of those interviews in one month, in the month of May, um, because I, my family was on deputation uh, to head to the field, and then COVID hit. Uh, I think it was March of 2020 when everything shut down. And so, you know, I, there wasn't a whole lot I could do. It was kind of unprecedented in most of our lifetimes, especially in the life of a missionary on deputation. And so uh, I, I kind of like to do different things like this. And so I made this spinoff podcast of Theology Roundtable called Missionary Roundtable and just uh, uh, got a bunch of my friends uh, to do interviews in the month of May, recorded them, and we aired them on Wednesdays. Uh, during the summer last year. And so um, now I'm on the field. We'll get to that in a minute. But I, I really, really wanted to do a second season because I, I feel like so many people enjoyed uh, the different missionary stories uh, from last season and hearing different perspectives. Um, it, you know, we, we cover a wide range of topics from uh, preparing to go to the field. Um, how does a what, what should a missions pastor do and what should his role be? And and, uh, you know, learning the language and cultural adaptation, all these different things things about the Great Commission and international missions. And and uh, I think a lot of people enjoyed it, and hopefully it was helpful to people. So um, I really wanted to do it again. It was a lot of fun. And so uh, doing that again right now and just recording as many episodes as I can in one shot, and then these are going to continue to air on Wednesdays throughout the summer. So this is Season 2, Episode 1. Thank you so much for joining. If you somehow found this and didn't listen to Season 1, check us out. Um, you're, you're already on the podcast, so go back and check out season one. There was 12 or 13 episodes, I think. Um, and these are going to, for season two, they're going to air every Wednesday through the rest of the summer. Uh, but for the first episode of season two, I've got my friend and confidant back um, in the saddle. He's actually going to be the guest host for the first episode of this season, kind of like we did for the season finale of last season. So Corey, welcome back. Thanks, Kale. How you doing? Uh, so for those of you who don't know or who don't know me personally, uh, one of my best friends in the whole world is Corey Van Sickle. He is the uh, young adults leader, pastor, overseer guy at First Baptist Church of New Philadelphia, Ohio. And uh, he's got a really cool story when it comes to missions and ministry, too. But um, suffice it to say, we've been serving in ministry together for, man, I don't know, 10 years, maybe more at this point. Uh, we're in our 30s now, man. Yeah, dude, that's crazy. I think about that more often than I should um, and just realize like how fast time passes now. It's crazy. It, it gets exponentially faster too as each year goes by. It's crazy. Yeah, for real. And you told me the other day you've been on the field for like five or six months. I'm like, has it been that long? I feel like you yeah. guys just left. Crazy, man. Yeah, it, in some ways, and that's the weird thing about time, like in some ways it seems like an eternity since we've been gone. But then in other ways, it's like, wow, I, I remember when we left, like it was yesterday. You know what I mean? Like, right? like each yeah. it's like the, the days are long, but the years are short kind of a thing. Like, like parenting almost, you know, like before sure. you know it, you blink and your kids growing up, but, but man, those days were long and those sleepless nights were long, you know? <laughs> sure. 
So I've got Corey on here. I, I asked him to come back um, and to interview me. I know that sounds really narcissistic, so I apologize. Um, but really, uh, Corey and I have been doing podcasts and hanging out and doing ministry together for so long. Really, it is just a conversation. It's not like Corey came on here to specifically interview me. It's it's more of a uh, just chatting and actually catching up. I mean, honestly, you know, Corey, you and I have, have you know, we've tried to talk at least, you know, maybe twice a month. Um, you know, Brooke and I, and you and Trisha, we, we've had video chats, maybe not every week, but every two, every three weeks, we have a video chat and just catch up and see how we're, everyone's doing. So, um, we, we have caught up and, and talked about things, but not in detail, you know? Right. Right. Yeah, dude, the time change doesn't help. And, uh, you know, the fact that you're busy all week with, with other stuff and I'm busy all week with other stuff, there's like a narrow window of time that like on the weekends that, that we're available to talk at least like the four of us collectively. <laughs> right. Right. You know, <laughs> like Trisha works all day and stuff like that, but yeah, we're um, six, yeah, dude, like, six hours ahead of you, I, I believe. Um, yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yes. We're central Europe time, I think is what's called. I don't know. Um, but yeah, for Eastern time, it's six hours behind us. Yeah. So that definitely doesn't help. And there's that small window to converse with you guys. And sometimes that window gets filled with just, stuff going on whether it's whether it's there whether it's here um it's mm-hmm. it's sad dude but like it's cool to catch up with you like this for sure oh yeah absolutely it, you know what i i i don't know when video chat was not invented but you know when we were in elementary school i remember or maybe middle school going into this like designated room in the high school where they had this giant contraption where they were showing us the technology of tomorrow where it was like you know this giant video conferencing thing where they could you know, allegedly talk to people in other countries, but it never worked when they took us in there to show us. Um, so, you know, video conferencing has been around for a while, but, you know, in this realm of social media, this hasn't been a thing for that long. So to be no. able to go to the mission field and still talk to your friends and family instantaneously, see each other and talk to each other like you're on an episode of the Jetsons. I mean, that I mean, praise the Lord. It, it really is a blessing. It has made this transition easier, even though the circumstances surrounding us as we've went to the field have been, you know, more difficult than we would have thought. (laughs) Yeah, sure, man. Compare that with like some of the missionary biographies and stuff you read where people were literally getting on a boat to never see or talk to Mm -hmm. their family again. You know, maybe letters would make it around the world. Maybe they wouldn't, Mm -hmm. but, but like, yeah, we we live in a day and age where like you can, you can at least see and talk to people. No, I think about that a lot, man, honestly. Um, you, you know me, I'm a nerd about reading missionary biographies and, and what those guys went through. It's convicting because first of all, it's like, I mean, in 2021, um, there's really no excuse for anybody to not be a missionary at this point. I mean, uh, it's, it's just not that hard when you, when you look at what Adoniram Judson and Hudson Taylor and those guys went through just to get to the field. And then let alone, I think Adoniram mm. Judson had said that he, I think he had to wait six or seven years before his first convert. Um, I mean, just, just wow. incredible sacrifice, lost his first wife on the mission field. And, and that's, you know, not uncommon that all those guys and, you know, spouses and children dying on the mission field just so they could get the gospel to the lost. Um, and, and here I'm sitting on a video chat with a nice microphone talking to my friend like he's in the room with me, um, right. sitting in my flat in, in Budapest. So it's it's really, you know, we're going to talk about some fun stuff today that, that really, you know, will seem like a sacrifice. And I mean, sure, sure, it, you know, 
there's some days where I, I realize that it's, you know, the route we chose isn't as easy as um, other routes that we could have chose. But but really, comparatively, man, we, we it's just not as hard to sacrifice in this context as it was in the Philadelphian church age. Yeah. So you've been, you've been obviously wanting to be a missionary for a long time. And, uh, you know, was it like 2014 when you first like got the indication and, and, and desire to, to pick up and go to Hungary someday? Uh, kind of, I mean, it was a, is a, tr- a transitional thing over, you know, it was a process. Um, 2014 sure. is when we first visited and, and went, uh, with Brett and his church Wildwood, um, and fell in love with it for sure. But then over the next couple of years of going back repeatedly, um, is when I really start, started to feel God burdening our heart for it. Yeah. It, it was in like 2012 though, even a couple of years before we even visited Hungary that, that I felt like the Lord was, um, putting it on my heart, um, to surrender to him to missions. But yeah, so it's, it's been sure. a long, long process. I mean, going back to that first time when I was a young 21-year-old feeling God calling me maybe to missions one day. I mean, that's almost 10 years ago now. It's crazy. And so so obviously you didn't know back then that you know, in 2020 you're going to you're going to pick up and and go to Hungary. Right. Um, so when was it that like you you decided like okay, when like you put a date on it like what year like when was that when you decided like okay, in 2020 I'm going to pick up and go to Hungary? Yeah, I, I would say it was probably in 2018. I was serving on staff at FBC as the youth pastor and talking with Jeff Bartell, my pastor, our pastor, um, about those things because he knew my desire about missions for a long time. But I'd been serving for, I think, about three years as the youth pastor. And and really, I, I just have this personal opinion. It's not a you know not set in stone anywhere that um, it's it's good for a youth pastor to serve at least four years in the high school, just to, if if possible, you know, just because you get to see a full class go through. There's um, there's nice stability in that. And I always said I'd like to serve at least four years before you know doing anything else. But it was right around you know getting towards the end of year three that I was like, okay, you know, we're getting close to that four year mark and I've been going to Hungary a mm-hmm. lot and, and I had been getting more responsibility and leading trips to it and, and really feeling, you know, called to it, like, like legitimately, like, like God burdening me uh, to go there and, and to work with these people. And so we talked about that and um, I think it was, yeah, I, I went off staff in 2019. So it would have been 2018 towards the end of the year when we actually told the church what God was doing and that I would, be staying through the rest of that school year. And then, you know, after summer camp, you know, in, in June of Mm -hmm. of 2019, I stepped off the pastoral staff and started doing the fundraising deputation process that, that we chatted about uh, at the end of last season. Yeah. So you decided in 2018, you actually started deputation in 2019, all of which was way before anybody knew that we were going to have any kind of pandemic or anything like that. (laughs) Yeah, man. Who would have thought that? Oh my goodness. I still remember the Facebook post that I would have shared, you know, like that had a list of like 20, uh, diseases, you know what I mean? That we're going to be the end of the world, you know, the Ebola scare, the, you know, swine flu, avian flu, all of that stuff. And people were like, come on, man, it's just another thing. And I, I would have agreed. And then, uh, and then this happened (laughs) and, uh, man, that really blew up. (laughs) <laughs> yeah for sure and so you you were probably almost done with deputation when you got to march uh, um, of 2020 once yeah, once things started we were getting down. close we were probably 
probably around like 75 percent 75 to 80 percent somewhere in there okay. um so like probably so, mostly done and so the the initial scare of the pandemic pandemic in march like that obviously put a hold on your deputation I don't yeah know, you want to talk about that a little bit yeah well i mean at first i mean i, I wouldn't say i was worried but it was the forefront it, it was the it was the first thing that I thought about was that, well, we're, we aren't fundraised, you know, we're 80%. Right. I even, you know, after a month or two of not going anywhere um, and just being at home and, and really, I just, I started going back into the office every day to, to help you guys and to help the staff out and be like, what can I do? You know, the, the church is in a right. weird world right now. So I really just became like a, an adjunct pastor again, <laughs> just to help in mm-hmm. any way that I could. Um, but I told Jeff, I was like, man, I, if I got to go to the field underfunded, I, I, I will, I want to, he told me, he's like, well, we'll talk about it. Like he didn't give me sure. the green light. He was like, well, we'll see about that. But I, I was, I was honestly desiring, like, you know, if, if I got to go underfunded, I'll go. Um, mm-hmm. but that, you know, I wasn't worried about it. It was just one of those things. It's like, okay, well, we'll see what happens. And then, but by the time the summer rolled around and we could finally visit churches again, um, it was probably July. Yeah, I think July before we visited a church again, and it was kind of difficult because that's when all the mm-hmm. masking stuff started happening in the U.S. that really hadn't happened prior to that. And um, right. and by the time we started traveling again in July, I want to say July or August, it was pretty clear that we had reached our funding goal. So it was like it was like that like the rest of our funds came in before we even hit the road again. Um, which was just totally a God thing, you know, churches getting back to us and some churches telling me, Hey, we're going to, we're going to increase your support. You haven't got to the field yet. A global pandemic just happened. We don't know what's going to happen with the economy, but we're actually going to pledge more money. And so the, mm-hmm. I mean, just the faithfulness of the the partner churches that we have is just incredible. Um, and yeah, that's awesome, just proving man. God's faithfulness, you know, in turn. Yeah. Yeah. So like, when were you originally planning on leaving? Like before March, when would you have said was your goal to leave? The original goal would have been like before the end of the summer. So like we started deputation mid mid summer of 2019, and so I I was really hoping to be on the field landing in Hungary maybe like August. It, it was a goal; and, it wasn't set in stone, but it was like yeah, I think we can raise our funds and get out of here in about a year. And when did you actually get on a plane and leave? Well, God still raised the funds in a year. That was the crazy part. We still basically by the end of August we had our funds. Um, but we wow. weren't on a plane until uh, December, uh, early December, the tenth, maybe. So a, a global pandemic was only able to hold you up for a couple months. Well, if you put it that way, it, it felt like an eternity <laughs> when it was happening, though. You know, because sure, it was like sure, you but... know, we were on the road every day, every week, every Sunday. We were in a different place uh, from like August, yeah, maybe September through March, and then all of a sudden, mm-hmm. just like you're you're not going anywhere. And so March to December felt like an eternity. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, that's a good point, man. Like, God's but good. in the grand scheme of things, that's not, that's not that big no, of a delay. No, it's not. Um, I mean, August, September, October, November. Only th- that's so I guess like a three like, month delay. That's not that bad. I feel like there was a time during the summer when like a bunch of us, like, you know, we were all praying for you and stuff and we were trying to stay informed on like, when you could even get into Hungary because international travel had shut oh down my gosh, like, yeah. in, in a lot of places. Yeah. And so it was like a daily thing where we'd all log into weird Hungarian news websites like <laughs> right. that, that we, we translate in Google so we can actually read them trying mm-hmm. to figure out what the Hungarian government was saying. Right. Um, 
So I guess, yeah, there was just a lot of uncertainty there. I don't know if you want to talk yeah, about how it, that hit you. Yeah, this is really good for me too, because I have such a bad memory, like actually interacting with this info, like, <laughs> you know, and recording it. Like, <laughs> I won't sure. forget it. Um, but yeah, so when the first shutdowns first happened, every, you know, all like global transportation started to slowly, you know, each country one by one was like, we're shutting down, you know all air traffic yeah. and in and out of their countries. And so that, you know, that worried me obviously, but then when the summer came around, everything opened back up again. Um, I don't know if people remember that, but like when June, July hit, like there was, I mean, things were fairly open. Um, we visited a church and visited the grand Canyon on our, you know, on our way out there just because it was on the way. And we actually were able to, um, as a family. Mm -hmm. But, uh, from what my friends here in Hungary told me is that Hungary was open and, and the cases were down. And so it was like, Hey man, this is cool. Now they, you know, there was, you know, rumor and, and I shouldn't say rumor, but you know, there were people's warning that there might be a second wave and, you know, every country's different. Every area is different, of course. Um, but then in Hungary, the second wave did come and it was way worse than the second, as far as numbers, cases and, and death count goes. And so, um, there was this time in the summer, I was really like, I remember being upset about this because there was a sweet spot in the summer, like maybe June, mid, mid June to, I don't know, like August where everything was open. You could come and go. And it was like business as mm -hmm. usual, almost, almost business as usual. Um, it, but I wasn't, we weren't ready to go yet. Our, our money had just about come in by midsummer. Uh, but, but we hadn't sold our house yet. Like everything had been slowed down. It was like, I, we can't get on a plane yet. Um, yeah, the money wasn't the only concern. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was like, travel it was, documents and stuff like that. Oh yeah, travel documents. We hadn't really said goodbye to our families yet because we'd been on the road for <laughs> the last year, so we just weren't ready when that window was there, um, which bummed mm -hmm. me out because then whenever the fall hit, it was September, maybe October, um, when they shut their travel down again, and I was like, oh my goodness, I don't know what we're gonna do. And that would have been after you had started the process of applying for like residence permits and visas and stuff like that, right? Yeah. Um, we were trying to figure out what to do because normally under normal circumstances, you could just go to Hungary as an American and stay for 90 days um, without a mm -hmm. visa or special permit or anything. Um, without a special visa, I would say, because I think technically the stamp in your passport when you go through customs is considered a visa. But um, right. So normally you would just go and show up and, you know, find, you know, get, find an apartment beforehand or something, you know, I stay in a hotel or I, my plans originally were to go a couple weeks before we moved, find an apartment, grab a few things, pieces of furniture, come back, grab the family and then, you know, take off and land there and then just deal with the residence mm -hmm. permits and stuff when you get there, because you, you've got three sure. months to figure that out and deal with the authorities in the country. Um, that, that's a pretty common thing from what I, what I understand. But whenever all the travel shut down, they they weren't letting people in just to come. You know what I mean? It's like you can't just show sure. up and be like, well, I've got my passport. They're like, no, 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 no. We're, we're not letting people in unless you've got. They were a, sort of closed down to, to tourists, yeah, quote unquote. Exactly. Yeah. Tourism was, was shut down. And uh, even business, you know, you had to have special papers and stuff, you know, to, to prove what mm -hmm. you were doing. And um yeah. So it was like, I started searching out like, well, what can we do? And sorry. So I started emailing consulates, um, in America, Hungarian consulates, uh, you know, in Washington, DC and Chicago and New York. And, and, uh, they, they were working with me to figure out, you know, what I needed to do. And so I really just kept emailing with them almost daily, figuring out what forms I needed to sign. And so I submitted everything that I could online, um, 
until it got to the point where we had to go in and like be finger because this is stuff that they would have done here in Hungary if we would have just showed up. You know, sure. like, take biometrics, be fingerprinted. You know, what I mean, do like basically they're just mm-hmm. they're looking at your who are you. You know, figure out who this person is who's applying for a, a visa and a residence permit. You know, yeah. um, and then we had like all of our papers and applications and documents and and letters. You know, from inviting agencies and all this stuff, and we basically took all of that with us. Um, Man, I don't remember all the details of that, but basically I remember that uh, we needed to do that in person because we couldn't just Mm -hmm. go to Hungary. We needed that visa if we were going to fly over and get into Hungary. And um, and the Chicago consulate wasn't booking any in-person meetings in the fall. And uh, this would have been in August or September that we were trying to figure this out. And I think it was in August and, and they weren't, you know, because of the new shutdowns, especially in America, they just weren't having any in-person meetings. It was impossible to get like a meeting right, right. in person at a government building. And so there was a while there where I just didn't know if it was going to happen. And uh, I don't remember exactly how it happened, but I just started emailing other consulates in Washington, D.C. basically ignored me um, and said, yeah, you." Need I feel to- like the I feel like the guy you talked to in Chicago told you about the new york office that you could try them and then you called them and they're like yeah we're open come on up yeah that that does that does sound right it was because i tried a a few and and they kept telling me well where you live in ohio you need to call the chicago office it was like they had regions you know and uh and that guy was like well we don't have him yeah yeah it was something like why don't you just call new york and see because new york wasn't that much farther away than chicago was you know or it might have been equidistant at that point i'm not sure um but yeah, I called them and they're like, yeah. And, you know, it was like maybe once a week for a two hour window, they were allowing in-person meetings, but they, they let me schedule one. And so it was in sometime in September, I, I think early September. Um, I'm trying to think. Yeah, it was sometime in, in early to mid September that we, we had a meeting scheduled. And then so mm-hmm. we left Judah with my parents and, and Brooke and I just drove to New York because at the time, I don't know if you remember. You know, sure, you remember this. Corey has like a better memory than most normal people. Um, <laughs> but there were uh, there were certain states that had a list of other states that like if you're traveling from this state to our state, you have to quarantine if you right, come in. Right. And New York was yeah. one of those. And like they had like. Because their case numbers were through the roof. There was crazy stuff happening in New York. And so Ohio was on that list with like 30 some other states for the longest time. But like, man, I I don't remember exactly, but it was like within a week or two of our appointment that Ohio was off that list. And like, listen, man, I would have I would have tried to sneak in, you know, and just lay low. But it was like we're going to a government building. It's kind of hard to lay low at that that point. But but yeah, praise the Lord, like a week or two beforehand, Ohio comes off that list and we could just drive in. I wasn't going to fly in and risk that stuff, that craziness, you know, trying to go through all of their police officers. So we just drove in, you know, the night before, stayed at a a hotel in New Jersey and then woke up the next morning and took the, the metro or whatever into into Manhattan and, and uh, did our application in person. And this whole time, while you're like preparing paperwork for the application, trying to figure out when you can make an appointment, trying to figure out the logistics of how all that is, like Hungary was just back and forth on, on we're letting Americans in, we're not letting Americans in, we're letting people from these countries in, we're not letting these kind of like, like I'm sure there were like probably clear rules at some point, but they certainly weren't communicated to Americans well. Um, but even sure. the consulate, like when I would ask them, they're like, yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll see tomorrow or we'll, things could, right. you know, it's fine right now, but next week things could change. Yeah. It was constantly up in the air. 
And so you were just putting your nose to the grinder, doing what you needed to do, hoping and praying that like it was going to pay off and you were going to be able to go. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. We were just, we were, we were literally trusting God. Like it sounds so cliche. Like we were trusting God to get us there. Of course we were, but, but man, I don't know that up until that point in my life that I had ever trusted God like that before, you know, it's like, okay, we, we listed our house, you know, during, in the middle of that, you know, the, the crazy real estate, uh, boom i don't know what you want to call it Mm -hmm. um our house you know we put it on the market and and like the next day we had a full asking price and it was like oh okay i guess our house is sold so it's like this is real you know like that was in august or something and so it's like no we our house is sold we are going to be homeless we got to go (laughs) you know we got to figure this out and uh and so we we go to we go there in september and we apply and they tell us that you know it's it's a 30 to 60 day waiting time you know like any government thing, it takes a long time. And so, you know, the government was processing our applications and all of that. And so during that time, that's when we're getting out of our house and uh, moving in to be with my parents. And uh, we, let's see, we got out of our house and did the closing and all that. And that would have been in like early November. And uh, yeah, I remember this man, cause it was mid September that we went and then 60 days would have been mid November. And so we were hoping yeah. that we were going to get, um, our answer before then, and that we could be on a plane in November. That, that was, I remember that that was the plan, uh, before Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. before Thanksgiving was the original. Cause you needed your answer in those documents before you got on a plane. Yeah. 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 I, I needed them. Not only did I need an answer, I needed them to mail my passport back to me. They had my passport. Right. And so they had mine and Brooke and Judah's passports with them you know, not in Hungary, but in the New York office. And I'm waiting for them to not only approve us, but to put the visa sticker in my passport and mail it back to me. And so I'm like, oh yeah, my God. Thank gosh. goodness all the problems with the postal service hadn't manifested yet. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh my goodness, man. There were so many things that could have went horribly, horribly wrong. Um, but we were coming up towards the end of that 60 day window. And I had been emailing back and forth with this guy most of the time. There's usually like a week or two in between, uh, information that he would give us but there was a couple holdups and he would say hey because he was basically the guy in new york was basically like the middleman between me and hungary Mm -hmm. you know so he wasn't for me or against me he was just like hey they need this or hey they want this and so that happened two or three times like hey they'd like more info about this or hey you need a signed letter stating this or you know all of those kind of things so that happened a couple times and i'm like okay i've given them everything they want and then uh he, he sent me an email getting close to the end of that window, man. It was probably late October, early November. Um, when he sent me an email back and he's like, Hey, this, this detail here, this might not be a good thing, man. And it's, you know, I'm not going to get into all of it, but basically it's just like what they required for coming to the country. Basically your, your, your reason for coming, you know, like having Mm -hmm. the inviting agency and all that stuff. Um, and I had all these written documents and signed letters and he's like, I don't, he's like, I'm I'm not saying they aren't going to do it, but just in my experience, this, this might not be good enough. And I'm like, what, what, what do you mean? And he's like, we'll see what they say. I mean, he's like, can, is there any way you could get this or that? And I'm like, no, man, this, this is it. This is the deal. This is what I have. This is the agency. Mm -hmm. This is it. If they don't like it, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. And he's like, well, okay, I'll let you know. And oh man. And this was just over email, but I, man, I, my heart sunk. I was, 
oh man, I was distraught. I, I seriously was. Yeah, I can imagine. I, I think I, I remember that day when, when you got that email, like that was, that was a rough day. But man, yeah, I, I went into Troy's office and I, I just kind of like sunk down in his chair and I was like, man, I, it, it, they might reject me. And like, I don't, what do you do if they reject you? Like, yeah. And then you're literally back to square one trying to figure out yeah. how to get into this country while, yeah. while the second wave is going on and stuff like that. Right. So the second wave is in full swing at that point in, in November. Mm-hmm. Um, our house is sold. Like our, we had gotten rid of like most of our belongings at that point. And, uh, and it was just like, man, so I, you ended I don't up know what like, I'm going to do. You ended up just bumping your, your flight back a month or something like that, right? Um, yeah, like for the second or third time, you know, yeah. we, we bumped it originally back to November and then we bumped it again. Um, I think we just picked an arbitrary date in, in early December. Um, cause it was like, okay, even if they get us, you know, even if like, say something, some, something miraculous happens and they get these to us, there's no way we're on a plane, like on this date, it's just not going to happen. Sure. So we just ended right. up ba- bumping them like three or four weeks and like, well, we'll see, see what happens. Yeah, and so that put you in in December or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but eventually everything came through, right? Yeah, man. So I, I don't remember the exact timeline, but, you know, this is like mid-November, early to mid-November when I've got this guy telling me that there's a good chance, like a good chance. Like he, he like I, I don't remember exactly what the email said. I, I could pull them up if I looked for them. Um, but there was a good chance that they were going to reject me. Not like, ah, it's 50-50. It was like the way he was saying it was like, well – we'll see, <laughs> you know, right. like he didn't yeah. sound optimistic and he's the one like with you the heard experience. the pessimism through the email. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and I was just like, Oh my, that's why I was distraught. It wasn't one of those like 50, 50 things. Like, Oh, you know, it'll probably be, you know, God's on our side. It was like one of those things. It's like, yeah, man, it's not looking good. And I was sure. just, listen, man, I, you know, I'm, I'm only human. And, uh, when you're at that point where you're, you're jumping off the cliff and you know this better than anybody with, you know, the way yeah. that when you guys were trying to go to Albania and it, and, and, and you know, Trisha got cancer. Um, it's, it's, it's one of those things that when you actually put everything on the line and like, you're, you're jumping off the cliff, you sell your house, you get rid of 90% of your belongings and you're, you're banking everything on God doing what he told you before. Um, it, it really, it's the scariest thing in the world um, in a good way, sure. but also like just in a humanly, it, just in a practical, pragmatic way, it's just super scary because you don't know if God doesn't come through, what do you do? And um, mm-hmm. now that's, you know, ironically, that's the only way where you actually get to see the deliverance of the Lord. But I just remember sure. Troy telling me in his office, he's like, listen, man, I, I feel bad saying this to you because I know you've heard this a hundred million times in your life and you've probably said it to other people, but don't doubt in the dark what God told you in the light. If he, if he said this is yeah. going to happen, we don't know the timeline, but it's going to happen. I'm like, I know, man, I know, but this is, this is real. This is crazy. This is real. And, um, and you just, after a lot of praying, pouring my heart out to God and lots of people praying for us, of course, you know, all over, all over the world. Um, I got an email relatively soon after that. Like I, I want to say days I'd have to check, but I, I want to say it was like days, man. Um, like within mm-hmm. the week. I got an email that had no other explanation. It was like a one sentence email from the guy at the consulate that said, your, your visas have been approved. They'll be in the mail soon. And that was, wow. it. and I was just like, uh, okay, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> like, yeah. it, you know, it's like, if it would have been a phone call, it would have been the most awkward silence in the world. Cause it was like just a one line email. It was like, yeah, they're approved. 
the, the you look wow. for them in the mail and i was like oh my goodness like, just out it's like i just wanted to make sure you trusted him <laughs> oh my goodness man it was dude it was such a god thing it's one of those things that's just unmistakable that because if god wouldn't have done that um it would have more than likely fallen through and you know especially in the mm -hmm. volatile times where they're not letting many people in the country in any way it would have been very easy for them to just say yeah no nah, you don't need to come right now worry about it later right you know and then that's what i was worried about i was like well what if they rejected then i gotta like you said go back to square one try to figure out a new way mm -hmm. um yeah. but god was in it and he got us there and uh we got our visas in the mail i think actually our original if i remember this correctly our original uh before we bumped our plane tickets to December, like the date that we had them scheduled, um, I think they came in the mail like the day of or the day before. It, it was like within 24 hours of when our plane should have taken off that we should have been on. We, we did get them. Mm -hmm. And it was one of those things like, oh, man, should I have just trusted God and waited? And we could have got on a plane the next day. But, you know, that that wouldn't have been super practical either, though, because it's like that sure. would have been really hard to pull off. Um, but then we had yeah. that extra month where we had our visas. We knew we were going. We knew we were getting on the plane, barring, you know, getting sick and testing positive or something like that. Um, but we, we had them in hand. We got to spend a, a month with my family, have Thanksgiving dinner and uh, and just spend an, a little bit more time with church. Month. Yeah, yeah. Just unstressful. Not worried about like if we're going to be on the plane tomorrow. Um, and, and that was actually I, I thank him for that. It was it was a blessing that, that we actually got that last four weeks of unstressful time to just hang with my family our families, our, our church friends and family. And, uh, mm -hmm. and it was, it was really good. Yeah, dude. So you ended up leaving, what was it like December 19th, something like that? Mm, let me look actually, let me look on my calendar here because it, uh, I think we just hit five months. Um, cause we're recording this in May, but, uh, it was December 10th is our December oh, okay. 9th was our flight. We arrived December 10th. Okay. Um, so yeah, dude, praise the Lord. You made it and everything like that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Such a God thing. And, and you had a place to stay already, right? You want to, <laughs> yeah. You want to talk about the, the yeah. apartment. Cause you, you talked to, you talked about, uh, how, what you wanted to do. You wanted right. to go there, look at some apartments, find a place to live that obviously didn't happen because of the restrictions on temporary mm -hmm. visitors to the country. So how did you, how did you find a place to live? Yeah, just Googling stuff. <laughs> so I'm just Googling like apartments in Budapest and I'm like, you know, I'm Again, like, dude, oh my the twenty first century missionary. Yeah, yeah, man. I mean, seriously, this is stuff that you just couldn't have done oh, man, ten years ago though. Seriously, in all seriousness, ten, fifteen years ago, yeah. this isn't happening. And uh, you know, Googling stuff and looking at stuff, trying to figure out like what I should do and you know, I, we've got some friends who are realtors up at, you know, Brett's church that so like, maybe I need to get them involved and, and figure this thing out. And, uh, I find, I just ha happened to stumble across this site that, uh, is all in English and, and seems to really deal more with, uh, finding, uh, property for sale and for rent for expats that are living in Budapest. So it was really like an English based website and service for expats from, you know, other countries, um, who, who are looking to rent or buy in the city. So I was like, oh, okay, well, I'll, I'll contact them. And so we, we just kept searching. So we, this was happening in the summer um, because I, you know, it, it's really hard, like when you're going to the field to know which domino needs to fall first, you know what I mean? Because there's so many things mm -hmm. that need to do. It can be overwhelming. Like, what do I do now? Do I focus on getting a house? Do I focus on this? And we weren't coming here and joining an established ministry. We were just 
we're just going, you know? So it, right. there's nobody over here helping us get here. It's like, we, we just gotta, gotta figure it out. We're winging it, you know? And, uh, so we, we find this website. So we're just looking at properties, guessing what our price range probably is based on what our, what our support probably is at that point, you know, mm-hmm. estimating all of that. And we just start looking and I, and I'm in contact with a, a person at the actual company and, uh, they, they helped us look at virtually like a couple, like just over phone video, but it was kind of janky and it was, you know, not the greatest. So you're really just relying on the the descriptions and the, the pictures. And so we found one mm-hmm. that had the space that we wanted so that we could do Bible studies and have an office so that I could, you know, do language school and studying and stuff. And, and, um, we didn't know anything about Budapest back then. Like I, I had been to Hungary nine or 10 times, but I, I hadn't like, hung out in Budapest and many other places than the very touristy areas in the inner city. So like, I didn't know sure. neighborhoods, you know, it's a city of 2 million people. I didn't, I didn't know what neighborhoods were good. I was just trusting God. And, um, between the realtor at this company, helping us pick a place, um, we, we found a place that was like within our, you know, kind of at the top of our price range, but what are you going to do? You just got to find a place <laughs> because you're going to move there. Right. So you, you got to find somewhere. And this place seemed good. Mm-hmm. And she said it was a decent neighborhood. So we were just trusting her. We don't know. And, uh, and so the, apparently it was a really good place like, that several people wanted. And she told me like, Hey, this, this place won't be available till like October. And I said, well, that's okay. Cause we can't move until probably November. That's, you know, back mm-hmm. in the summer. That's what we were thinking. And I was like, that's fine. And she's like, but there's already like several people inquiring about it. I'm like, oh, oh, geez. And, uh, so she talked to the landlady for me and, um, the landlady chose us. She was, I, you know, I don't know if it was just because we were Americans or because of my profession or, or that we were a family and we had a little boy. I don't know what it was, but she was like, Hey, you know, the landlady would like to offer it to you guys if, if you're interested. And so, uh, so that was a cool God thing. And so we, you know, worked yeah. out the paperwork and she, you know, even though it wasn't available yet, we had to have proof of residence to apply for the visa. So I needed like an actual, um, you know, renter's lease agreement to give to the consulate Mm -hmm. that we had a place to go to. And so that was just one of the, you know, 30 things that we needed, like, you know, international medical insurance and stuff. And so, so she worked with us with that. And, and then I can say on the flip side, now that we've been here for about six months that I love this area. It was such a godsend. The, the apartment is very nice and, and super helpful since we were locked in it for months. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And, uh, but it's, the, the neighborhood is great. It's, it's, it's in between the inner city and the suburbs. Like it was probably, I'm just guessing the suburbs when the, the city was smaller, and then the city kept growing. And so now it's like in between the inner city and the suburbs. And so I can get anywhere that I need to get to fairly easily, but it's, but it's a nice neighborhood. I mean, it's not sketchy. It's, it's, it, it's quiet for the most part. So not only, not only did you find a place to live without, without being there or, or having someone looking for a place for you, like you, you got a place to live, but it's also one you're happy with when you get there that you don't immediately have to go looking for other apartments and stuff yeah. like that. That's yeah. pretty cool. We're, we're hoping to be here for a couple of years if we, if we can be. So yeah, praise the Lord for that. Yeah, that's cool. For sure. Definitely. So you got your apartment, you got your, your documents and, and you get on a plane. What, what was the trip like? Oh, um, you know, obviously like travel in general sucks, but like Mm -hmm. when you get through security at that first airport and realize like, we're about to, we're about to do this, man. Like after all this stuff we've been dealing with for, for the past year, after 
all the preparation for the past few years, what was that like, like your travel there? Well, the, the day of and the day before were really stressful um, for me because there was a lot of things that had to happen. We had, you know, sent a crate over that had been picked up like within a couple of days of us leaving. And um, mm-hmm. we were praying really heavily that we wouldn't get sick, even though I'm not worried about getting sick. It was just one of those things that if we show up to the airport and they, you know, take your temperature right. and say, you've got a fever, you can't get on the plane. I, w- I was like really worried about that because it's just like something you can't control. You know, it's like you could yeah. like you could be running a slight fever and not really feel out of sorts sometimes, you know, so that's, I was super Mm -hmm. worried about that. And so I was, I was stressed out and, and kind of numb to emotions at that point because of how crazy the year was, how crazy the last three months had been. I I really didn't have any time to process emotions. And so, you know, that FBC was so awesome. And there was like 40 people that showed up at our, in my parents' house to see us off to, you know, just leaving my parents' driveway to start heading to the airport. And I don't know, maybe another dozen or 20 that, followed us and came with us to the airport and uh you know you were there and and so that that was really cool and it, it was emotional but it I was still pretty numb to emotions at that point because for me I I knew that the the day of was going to be difficult years ago when it was finally time to leave our family and our friends with the one-way tickets and, and go to another country but then you add in the pandemic and the stressful situation of everything else stacked on top of that um I the job wasn't done just because we were at the airport. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like two years ago or whatever, when you were a missionary, if you had your, you had your tickets, you could just embrace your family at the airport, say your goodbyes, cry on each other's shoulders, but, but the job's done. You just got to find your gate, get on the plane and, and it's, and it's done, but the job wasn't done. You know what I mean? It was like, okay, mm-hmm. we've got our masks on. Are they going to be mad that Judah doesn't have a mask on? Cause Judah's two. And even though the law doesn't say in Ohio that he has to have a mask, some of the airlines were saying, if you were two or older, you had to have a mask and a two year old ain't going to keep a mask on, you know? So it was like, all of these things are floating through my head. We had, I don't even remember. Was it like 10 pieces of luggage that we had to check because we were taking as many clothes with us as we could. You, you remember that you guys were yeah, helping us pull it them in. I, I think yeah. we had, uh, one carry on each or maybe two carry ons each, like for me, Brooke and Judah. No, mm-hmm. we had two, two or three checked. I think we had two checked bags each and then maybe like an extra checked bag or two and then our carry on. Mm-hmm. So we had like all this luggage and then backpacks, you know, cause you have your personal item. And so it's like all of that. And just, so like, I feel like I didn't even unfortunately get a proper goodbye at the airport, which I would have liked because my mind was preoccupied with all of the other things and, you know, mm-hmm. worrying about being on the plane or am I going to have stewardesses, you know, yelling at us that we need to get a mask on Judah and, and these were things that I was. Well, weren't just there like videos about. on the internet at that time of families being kicked off of planes for like young kids? There was like one Judah's or two age not wearing masks. There was one or yeah, two. Yeah, that of, would be that would be nerve wracking. Of Judah's sure. age of like two year olds, and that's yeah, it, it was weighing on me, and I was worried, and and uh, I should have had stronger faith. I I, sh- I should have, but there was just so many emotions at play. Um, but God is good. And so, man, I, you know, that was one of the first, I've flown a lot. That was one of my first itineraries that we didn't seem to have any delays. Uh, you know, every airport was like a ghost town. Maybe that helped, (laughs) but, Mm -hmm. uh, there was like no delays. Um, Judah didn't wear a mask the entire time in the airports or in the airplanes and nobody said anything. Um, it, it was, yeah, God was with us the whole time, man. I, even the, the, the flights were good. It was like, uh, 
it was like there wasn't even like turbulence. It was like, what in the world? This is like wow. going way too easy. And then and then Judah, first time flying ever, you know, his first, you know, first time flying and he's going to take three legs with an eight hour flight across the ocean. Did great. Mm-hmm. Did fantastic. Um, I couldn't, you know, I prayed for that and a lot of people did. And but I was worried, like, how's my two year old going to do on the plane, man? He, he's so hyperactive. And he did great. Um, and then uh, and then we, we, we finally we landed in, in Budapest Airport on December 10th. That was, it was a whirlwind, wow. man. Yeah. And you had to quarantine after that, right? Yeah. So we got there into the airport and, you know, I've flown into Budapest nine or 10 times, like I've said. And, uh, and this was weird. It was a ghost town. There's police there with guns. Um, they take your time. So this was the big thing. So it was like, we were almost done, but we still weren't in yet because when we got off the plane in Budapest, they were going to take our temperature again. I was like, mm-hmm. Oh man. I, I don't, you, you know, man, you've been on these long plane rides. You, you do a 24 hour turnaround, you know, traveling to another country. You're jet lagged. You feel like garbage. You've been on a plane. We've been wearing masks the whole times for, for all I know, I would have run a temperature even though I, even if I wasn't sick, just cause I felt crummy yeah. anyway. So I was so mm-hmm. worried that we were going to get to Budapest airport and they were going to take our temperatures and be like, Oh, nope. Sorry. Got to turn around and be like, what, what do we do now? <laughs> Um, but, but we didn't, you know, green light, beep, beep, you're in, um, met with police, customs, the whole nine yards, fill out a bunch of paperwork. I had to give them our address of where we were going. Um, gave us these red danger, unclean <laughs> signs to hang on our door, <laughs> um, because legally right. we had to quarantine for 10 days. Um, and, uh, and so we did all that and, uh, luckily, um, a friend of mine here, they helped us arrange a driver with a van to pick us up with all our luggage and, and take us to our apartment that I'd never been to, um, where we were meeting our landlady for the first time with the keys. And, uh, and so we, we got there, we're dead tired. We get all of our luggage to the fourth floor, to this flat. She meets us. She's su- super nice, super kind, sweet lady. I'm so thankful for her. Um, but she, you know, she kind of shows us around, even though we're jet lagged and tired, shows us around Mm -hmm. really quick. Luckily the, the apartment was mostly furnished. So there was a bed, there was, you know, a a couch, a a table. So that, that was super helpful because we saw like we could go to Ikea or something. Um, right. Cause we were legally supposed to be locked in this apartment for 10 days and, uh, we get there, she shows us around, she gives us the keys and we all just lay down and just look at each other. Like, (sighs) it just seriously just like let out a big breath like we're here but it didn't it was so strange man it didn't feel like we were there because because it, budapest didn't feel like budapest it was like a ghost town you know what i mean mm, back in december sure. it was it was unreal um yeah but yeah it was, and then I, I that first night was was rough I, and i don't say this like as a pity party this is just me kind of like being real I, I know a lot of missionaries don't feel like they can have the freedom to just talk freely about uh, their experiences and their emotions. Um, but luckily, like you know, so many of our supporters are fr- personal friends and close churches that, mm-hmm. that we love. And that first night was rough. Right. I knew it was going to be rough. Um, but like I said, because I had been like numb and I, I didn't allow myself time to interact with my emotions. I think they, they all just like welled up and just hit all of us, you know, that night. And that first sure. night um, we'd been living with my parents for a month. So Judah had gotten super, super close to my parents and, and we all just kind of like all three of us just kind of laid in our bed and just like was like, I, like I'm having emotions like, man, what what did I just do? Did I make the right decision? This is this is so hard. We miss our family. We we just we just left our church family. We left our friends, our hometown. We've been for 30 years. Our our families like, did I do the right thing? You know, I mean, like all of these things. Um, 
But, you know, after that first night, it was, and I, it, luckily we had the confirmation that we knew that God had been working this in us for the last eight or nine years. So we never, yeah. we never wondered if we actually did the right thing. It was just, you know, the emotions of the moment that finally caught up with us. And, and, uh, like you said, we couldn't leave for 10 days. And so we had to very quickly figure out, uh, gr- ordering some groceries online, figuring out how to order from, uh, uh, Hungarian DoorDash kind of a thing called NetPinzer. Um, which mm-hmm. just means internet waiter. <laughs> and, uh, <Right. laughs> um, and so, yeah, we figured all that out, you know, very quickly cause we were hungry and, uh, sure. um, and, and then for 10 days we stayed in our house. Um, luckily we had internet and stuff because you know, the landlady had hooked all that up. And, uh, so that was nice. But, um, I mean the, the police would ring our doorbell, I think not all the days, maybe five, maybe half of them. Uh, in the mornings, there was like a, a doorbell or a knock on the door to just check that we were there. Like most of the time, no. they didn't even come yeah. to the door. One time they did, they opened the door and I was like, hey, we're here. And they're like, okay. I mean, they're super nice about it. But like they actually did. Mm-hmm. They actually followed up and checked in and made sure we were there. Wow. So that yeah, was just kind of surreal at the same time. It wasn't like, hey, you're in your new country. Welcome to your destination. It was like, hey, welcome to Hungary. Stay in your house. The cops are going to make sure you're there. And I was like, whoa. Right. <laughs> it was just, it was surreal. <laughs> Yeah, that's not like that's not like something we had to deal with necessarily in America. I mean, I know like health departments and stuff told people to to quarantine or whatever, but it, it wasn't it enforced. Was, it, you're right. It, it was rare when you heard of law enforcement getting involved because mm-hmm. most of the regulations and stuff weren't laws right. in Hungary. That was in that most was other countries. That's probably yeah, different. They were yeah. written into law. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And just because we hadn't so, seen anything like that um, yet, it was even more, like you said, it was even more abrupt, not abrupt. It, it just stood out more because we weren't even used to that back home. So, yeah. Yeah. So talk a little bit about like, like, obviously you're in a new country, you're in a new place, you're, you're in a new culture, but it doesn't necessarily feel like you're in a new culture because you're, you're locked in your house. And then you start <laughs> yeah. being able to branch out a little bit after that. And you, you found a barber quick, I'm sure. Yeah, um, yeah. And 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 uh, I remember you telling me you, you found a a guy to buy coffee from pretty early. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so like, that was like was, the first thing I did when we got out of quarantine was get a haircut and buy an espresso machine. <laughs> it was like, I mean, priorities, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and and you've been preparing to be a missionary for for, gosh, a decade almost. Uh, crazy. How did your experience of entering a new culture during a pandemic compare with what your expectations of <laughs> entering a new culture would have been normally. Oh, wow. It's so I felt like because I had been to Hungary so many times that before the pandemic happened, I kind of thought that our transition would be easier. Like I, I mm-hmm. knew it would be difficult leaving our friends and family, but I actually thought that we had like a leg up on most guys who go to the field who didn't go eight or nine or 10 times to it. Um, and, and we sure. had friends and I had people I'd led to the Lord there. So I was like, this isn't going to be as hard for us. Um, and I, I think that would have been an ignorant young man thought anyway, but then you add the pandemic to it and it was like, well, any, right. any leg up you think you had is gone now. Um, like, so, so we got there and we're, you know, we, for 10 days, um, we're, we're locked in our apartment and we packed all of our clothes and, and the, the apartment was mostly furnished. So like our landlady even had a crib there for Judah, which was so nice of her. And, um, wow, yeah. but one thing I didn't think about was cause we did send a crate of stuff ahead of us, but that was going to take about two months to get there. Um, you know, they just had like Judah's toys, my guitars, you know, uh, some electronics, mm-hmm. you know, just some of our personal stuff that, 
Uh, we got rid of most of our stuff, but we sent some stuff ahead. What we didn't pack in our suitcase, our suitcases were mostly clothes. What we didn't pack were bath towels. And I will never forget uh, that first night we we were like, man, I just need a shower. You know, you, you get off the plane after traveling all the time. I just need mm-hmm. a shower. I feel grimy and gross. And and uh, and and like this this apartment actually has like a nice shower. And it's like, oh man, I'm just gonna go enjoy a nice shower and you know and just forget about everything crazy that's happening. And then like I'm in the shower and Brooke had packed you know just some like some shampoos and stuff. So we had a few things like that was no problem. Toothpaste and you just travel stuff. And I'm like. I don't have a bath towel. Like <laughs> I can't like it's, it's so dumb to think about like but but you know after all the stuff that we've been through I'm like I can't even take a shower and dry off man. I can't even just right. go down to the local whatever store and get a bath towel because I'm not legally allowed to leave my house. And so it just right. like hit me I'm like this this is life. This is life for a while, you know? And so I yeah. I had some like white just V-neck undershirts. Um you know, like that I had like uh, several of and I'm like, okay, well, this is, this is my towel. I'm going to drive. And actually right. it's kind of funny. They actually worked really well. It was like a chamois, like a sham. Wow. It was like, like I dried off and the, the, the shirt was still dry. It was like, it was crazy. Um, but yeah, for the first couple of nights, so we, in a pinch, we used uh yeah, white, white V-neck undershirts from target were great in a pinch as, as a bath towel. Things you never thought you'd learn on a missionary podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, my my, I called my buddy, who's in this one of my friends, and uh, it was so thankful for him. Him and his mom went out and and uh, to a store and and grabbed us a couple towels and and some nice pillows, even because our you know the pillows weren't too great. So uh, you know needed sure. a decent pillow to get a good night's sleep. And so that was so nice. They bought them and dropped them off for us. So so thankful to them for doing that. But yeah, just yeah, little so things, man. <laughs> Not not too many t-shirt showers. No, no, just but, a couple. Yeah, not too not too yeah. bad. But you know, so then you know when we're there, uh, that that first ten days, we're just ordering food off of the the app, and like so the first couple of nights, all we ate were like Burger King and KFC and just the American things that are like I can't read this language. I don't know what it says. Let's just order stuff that we know what it is. <laughs> So that right. first week we ate a lot of just American takeout food until we got our first like uh, set of groceries delivered that we ordered online. Right. Well, that's cool that that stuff was readily available in, in Budapest. Yeah. So you yeah. could luckily you could recognize at least what you're ordering to eat. <laughs> right. That was, that was super helpful. And then, you know, we got through the 10 days, but you know, the crazy thing with the timing is that we got there on December 10th, did our 10 days. And so we get out of quarantine on like the 20th or the 21st or whatever, like four days before Christmas, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah. okay, now we can go like, get out i suppose but i don't know how to get around it, at this point i don't know how to use public transportation i'm just using taxis or walking because mm-hmm. i don't know what i'm doing man at, at that point um later on yeah. zalan actually showed me how to use the public transportation so i i needed i needed help show me how to do that um but so we go out i go out and i find a, a tesco which is we're, we are well acquainted with Tesco now, um, but it's basically just like a European, like Walmart kind of a thing, a, you know, big box store and uh, yeah. got a couple of things, got a little, uh, got a little Christmas tree and uh, got Judah a couple of gifts. And, um, oh man, I even forgot um, some, uh, the Wolfords from FBC. I got to, I got to shout them out by name because they were so nice. They, they figured out how to get on Tesco in Budapest and send us an order of stuff before we got out of quarantine and they they sent some little things for judah and for brooke and i remember brooke man i 
and you know, Brooke is, she's kind of funny because she's super sweet, but she also doesn't cry very much. She doesn't get super emotional. Um, mm-hmm. that, that broke her, man. She, she got emotional there whenever we got that stuff mm-hmm. and just, you know, how much it meant that we're, we're going through kind of a tough time, but like the people back at FBC, um, we're looking out for us, you know? And so we got that load of yeah, groceries sure. and Christmas things. They even sent like decorations, but so, yeah, dude. That, and that's just another thing about the time in which we live that someone in America can log on to a Hungarian website and order <laughs> things to send to people right. in Hungary. And Google like, Chrome will translate cool. it for you. You know, that, that was, yeah, right. that was nuts. And, and then, you know, like with that timing, so then you had Christmas Eve, Christmas, and then New Year's right around the corner. So we really couldn't do a whole lot. Not, not much was open. Um, until after the first mm-hmm. of the year, but I managed to in that time frame with with my buddy's help um, get <laughs> figure out how to get the documents we needed from the local government building. Um, I'm doing this all by myself, by the way, because, you know, my friends, they're all either in quarantine or busy with family because it's the holidays or school or work. So it's like it's not like there's just a bunch right. of people like, hey, I'll help you out today. Um, and so like, I'm just winging it with my very, very basic knowledge of random Hungarian grammar and, and Google translate, but managed to get a bank account so that we could have a debit card and order stuff online. Um, this, this was after the the first of the year though, everything else we did just with our American credit cards and stuff before that. But, but we managed to get a cell phone plan, get new cell phones that work over here in a bank account and, you know. So it took it took a solid eight weeks to get settled just because of the timing with the uh, the holidays and everything. And then we started language learning and stuff in January. But yeah, and it's not like you it's not like you wanted to wait until January just to make that transition easier because you were kind of at a time where you're like, if we don't go now, who knows when we'll be able to go just because. Yeah, it was just a leap of faith changing about who who can come and when and all this. Like we've got a window. The Lord's given us this opportunity. We just got to go. Um, I mean, it definitely made it a little more difficult, even emotionally, because, you know, that that first holiday that we were away, uh, you know, the plan, not the original plan, plan C that failed. You know, <laughs> we were on like plan G at this point, but, you know, it was like to leave before November. So, you know, it would have been tough before the holidays, but that first holiday being away is Thanksgiving. But it wasn't that our first holiday away was Christmas and it came like two mm-hmm. weeks after we left, you know, so it was just kind of added to it. But, you know. You go yeah. through Christmas, go through New Year's, and uh, Christmas and New Year's this year will be a lot different <laughs> than that first sure. year. That'll be sure. Uh, that'll be a crazy thing to remember in the future. Yeah. So you you, you get there, you get settled, you kind of have the things you need to to do life. Like you know where to get groceries from, mm-hmm. and you know you know how money works and stuff like that. Yeah, you get figured out how to ride the buses and the metro and the tram. <laughs> that, right. took, that took a minute to figure out. <laughs> and so like, but things aren't quote unquote normal in Hungary yet. Um, no, no, they're, they're starting they to, I, I don't know when this, you know, this one will air probably in, you know, it's beginning mid June or beginning of June. Um, but there, things mm-hmm. are opening up, uh, which, which is great. And it's encouraging, but um, I just in May, I think, um, for the first time had a meal at a restaurant since we moved here. Um, and yeah, it wasn't yeah. in the building. It was on a, you know, an outdoor dining area, but it was like, mm-hmm. we, we had some friends, some new friends that we had made uh, this couple that we went out to eat for lunch with them. And it was just like, Whoa, five, four or five months after moving here, we're finally like just having a meal with some friends at a, at a restaurant, you know? Yeah. It's yeah. Crazy. <laughs> 
and, and so taking like Judah to of... like a local park to lay on the playground and stuff like that's all as the weather breaks and things are starting to open up we're finally getting to enjoy some of those things and, and get out and, and yeah, meet people yeah. now you know so for sure and so things you know were kind of closed down then they opened up a little bit then they closed down again but like you weren't able to do things that that you would have wanted to do, or at least the way you wanted to do them. As far as even like ministry goes and language mm-hmm. school, you did language school online while you yeah. were in the country that you're learning the language for. That's, <laughs> yeah, you know, too. typically not what happened, not what you see when a missionary goes to language school in, yeah, in the yeah. country that they're, they're working towards. So um, yeah, just how, how have those uh, differences and expectations of like the type of work you're doing and how you're, how you're reaching out to people like that obviously needed to be a little bit different than Mm -hmm. what it would normally have been just because of all the restrictions and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, the language lessons were were strange for sure because I didn't know what we were going to do at all until we got here. I just started Googling things. I knew that Brooke had to go slow. So I got her a private teacher and she just has a, a lesson twice a week. Um, for an hour and mm-hmm. you know she tries to do it while Judah's napping if he takes a nap if not I watch him but she has to go slower you know and that's okay because she doesn't need to learn it immediately I'm the one trying to you know rapidly learn the language um, but I managed to find uh, just online a school that was doing these intensive courses where uh, they started at the very beginning um, which was good for me even though I, I, I did a little bit of preemptive study on my own um, before we left during deputation which, which ended up by the way in hindsight was super helpful I that was that really? was great because I didn't really I didn't do a whole lot I, I memorized a couple hundred words maybe two three hundred vocabulary words basic you know kid vocabulary words I knew how to count um, and you know if you know numbers you can count you can tell time you can understand money and uh, and mm-hmm. I and I worked really hard at the alphabet um, because their their language is phonetic, so I worked really hard at the the alphabet and the pronunciations, so that even though I couldn't speak or really read or understand, when I was learning those words, I would be pronouncing them well, and that did serve me really well because that this first super intensive class it was Monday through Thursday for eight weeks, three hours a day on Zoom. Um, wow. so from 10 to one thirty with a break Monday through Thursday for eight weeks. And that took us through, um, a one and the, you know, the language level learning language learning levels. And so then I decided to take the next class and do a two. And so that was eight more weeks. So for the last 16 weeks since January, I had, uh, been doing these super intensive classes. And then once I got through the a level material and started getting into the B level material, it started to get really difficult. And I noticed that the, the pace that I had been doing was really, I was getting so many migraines and stuff. I I just needed to slow down a little bit and understand and kind of zoom in on some of the grammar elements. So I just recently had uh, switched over to a private teacher, uh, to take it a little bit slower, but, but it's great, man, because now when I go out and go to the store, I can ask questions. I can, I can talk to people very basically. I can understand a lot Mm -hmm. more than I can say. Um, but I, I took advantage. I tried to take advantage of that time where we couldn't do much at all outside of our home and just really grind it out with the language as much as I could. And it's, 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 uh, served me well. I'm nowhere near fluent. Of course, it's a very difficult language, but it's, sure. uh, we, we've made some headway, which is really, really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, so as far can, as you kind of use the, no, go ahead, go ahead. Sorry. I was just saying you use the, the time where you were kind of stuck to, to really invest in, in the stuff you could do. Yeah. Um, yeah. so that as things opened up, you can kind of be more effective at that with your Language yeah, I mean, all I could really do was study the language, like pray a lot, and read my Bible, obviously, 
and, yeah. and, and text guys and check in with people. So that's mm-hmm. why I did. I prayed a lot, spent a lot yeah. of time with the Lord, still spent a lot of time with the Lord, obviously, as a missionary. Sure. Um, but, you know, just praying a lot for very specific things, working on the language and uh, still doing that through the summer, um, but able to actually meet with more people regularly. But as far as ministry goes, really, man, I, I was just praying that God would send us seeking men um, who were already seeking truth and put me in position to meet people. And so anytime I would like go to the barber or go to the coffee shop or whatever, um, I, I would just be praying that these guys I could build a relationship with and start. And, and so God has been placing guys in my life who speak some English. And so that has been opportunities to build relationships, which is, which is amazing. Um, cause you know, that's, that's, that's how you lead people to the Lord and build a relationship with them first and, and, uh, and show them you care. And then you share Jesus with them. And, and so that's what we've been doing and, uh, it's starting to pan out, which is great. Um, been able to share the gospel with a couple of guys already that, that I had been, uh, working on building relationships with, um, no converts yet, but, uh, but opportunities to sow the seed and uh, more opportunities coming, um, praise the Lord. Even through some of the guys that I've been able to meet with and 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 just build friendships with, have been through those Zoom online classes. You know, you you finish eight or sixteen weeks of a class on Zoom where you're in class every day for several hours. And I would just get an email from a guy, be like, "Hey, man, it was great to meet you in this class. Feels weird that we know each other without ever seeing each other in real life. Would you like to meet and hang out sometime?" And then I and right. then we would and and uh, and then go from there. So so cool opportunities. Yeah, man. So like that, that sort of brings you up to now you're, you're, Mm -hmm. you scaled back the language learning now that you can go outside a little more often, Mm -hmm. which is probably just a little bit, just a little bit, probably about half, just slowing the rate down. Yeah. Right. right, Which is probably healthy for you. Yeah. My head hurts a little (laughs) less now. (laughs) Yeah. You were, you were pretty intense into it there for a bit. Um, that, that might not be the most sustainable thing. For, my for English doesn't sound time. bad today, does it? You know, like uh, my English has no, never no, been great, all. but man, during those intensive weeks, there would, I always told Brooke after I'd get out of class for the day, there's 30 minutes right after class. Don't talk to me. I'm, I'm not being rude. I just need coffee sure. and I need silence so that my brain can unscramble. <laughs> um, yeah. So you're just kind of meeting with people as you have opportunity. You're, yeah. you're staying in touch with the the people that you've come into contact with. And, um, you know, things are sort of starting to open up. So like, what are you looking forward to, um, mm-hmm. you know, this summer as, as the summer kind yeah. of arrives? Yeah. I'm looking really forward to, um, um, getting to meet with more people and, and just meeting people, uh, more intentionally through the things that we do as a family and um and actually being able to follow up with people so we have even you know since we've gotten here we've been able to study the bible with people somehow uh we've been able to wow. study the bible in english with people um some several times and so i'm hoping that that can become more regular um some of these friends that we're starting to make that we can build more friendships and and, and more trust in our relationships so that we can share the gospel I, I never want the sharing the gospel with somebody that you've just met me personally you know i'm not, I'm not you know, this isn't set in stone. I just don't want it to feel like it's an ulterior motive to where, I mean, mm-hmm. kind of it is, <laughs> but like, I don't want well, them to feel like I'm not, I'm being insincere. It's like, cause it, it's like, if you go into that too soon, they might think like, Oh, I see. You're just trying to like gain my friendship because you're trying to convert me or something. And it's like, that's mm-hmm. not really the case. The case is I want to be your friend. And then I want to share with you about Jesus. And then if, if you want that, I want to show you how you can have that. And if you don't want that, we can still be friends and I will still pray for you. You know what I mean? Like I want it to be sure, sincere. Sure. Um, and that has been working so far. And so we're just going to keep, I'm a pretty simple guy. So I'm just praying for that. Um, 
praying for language learning, praying for seeking men and, uh, and, and going from there, you know, man, I, I going into this, um, you know, this is maybe a good place where we can start to tie the bow on it, but going into this, I knew going to the field that we're going to have to trust God with everything, because if it was up to me and my smoothness or my abilities, even to build this ministry, I, it was going to fail. I like, I'm just, I'm not that prideful to think that I'm like that cool or God's gift to the mission field. Um, but then when we get here in the middle of a pandemic and you really can't do anything and we're trusting God just to figure out how to work net bean Satter to get Burger King delivered. Like that's right. when you're like, I, I realized like within the first day or two, I'm like, man, I really, really, really got to take this seriously. And so I would just pour my heart out before the Lord every day, man, every single day that I would do what he wants me to do and that he would do that. And just literally, and, and I really feel convicted, man, that I didn't have this urgency and conviction uh, before I left. But I think, I think the pandemic has changed a lot of our Christian hearts, hopefully, um, with the mm-hmm. sense of urgency, I think between the pandemic and me moving to the mission field, I, I have the sense of urgency that I didn't have prior to 2020 that I, sure. that I need to, I need to daily beg God. I need, I need to beg God for souls. It doesn't matter where I live. It doesn't matter what country I'm in, you know? Yeah, man. Like you said, we're, we're running out of time. So like, yeah, you're there. We're here. Everybody. We're just looking for the gleanings, man. Locations. We're just looking for the yeah, gleanings. Absolutely. And so that's why I'm praying specifically like, God, send me the guys who are already seeking. I don't know when you're coming back. I suspect it, that it's soon. So mm. man, send me the guys who are already seeking so that we can get those gleanings before, before it's too late. So, and, and we've yeah. seen by his grace, we've seen some opportunities already that are answered to prayers. I really didn't expect to see those until maybe next year when I could speak a little bit of the language, but he's, you know, He's a merciful God, and so He's given us some opportunities even already. Um, so, so that's been a blessing. Yeah, that's exciting, man. And uh, you know, we're we're here, dude. We're praying for you. We're so we're much, loving man. you guys. We're if there's anything we can do, obviously, you know, to let us know and stuff like that. Where uh, the whole church is just regularly talking about you and praying for you and stuff like that. Like you guys are a part of our family, and we love you and miss you. And I'm looking forward to this season of Missionary Roundtable. And <laughs> thanks, um, just, man. Hearing some updates this summer, so yeah, man, it's uh, we miss you guys. Um, it, but it, it's gonna be cool to one day in a couple years visit and, and just you know, it's gonna be it's gonna be so different, it, you know, it'll be surreal in a different way mm-hmm. because we'll have been we're, we'll be used to this life. Like, we're hoping in the fall that we got to figure out how to send Judah to kindergarten, you know, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. Um, he's only three, but it's it's just a good way for him to make friends and start to learn the language. So, it's really you know, hopefully yeah. by the end of this year, we'll be real, you know, Budapestians. <laughs> you know, and mm-hmm. knowing how to live here and get around and we're hoping to buy a car soon this summer. And, um, yeah, so it's, it, it's crazy, but, uh, thank you guys for praying for us. Um, and, uh, we miss you guys too, but, uh, but we know that FBC is, uh, continuing to serve the Lord and do great things. And, uh, hopefully we can, uh, uh, bring some fruit that remains to you guys and to all of the, the supporting churches who pray for us. So thank you. Yeah. Praise the Lord, man. All right, and thank you guys for listening so much to this first episode. I know it was a little bit long, but hey, it's the first episode of the new season, right? Thanks for listening. We've got a whole summer of missionary and pastors uh, to 
coming on here on this show to talk about the Great Commission and international missions. I hope that interests you, so make sure you tune in every Wednesday. Uh, hit the notification bell on our podcast in your app, wherever you're listening, on Spotify, uh, Google Play, Apple Podcast, uh, the Podbean app, wherever you're at. You can even go to our website. It's like missionaryroundtable.podbean.com. Um, wherever you're listening, make sure you look for us every Wednesday morning. Uh, we'll have new episodes out throughout the summer. They'll end sometime in August. And uh, so I look forward to you guys joining us each week to hear these stories. And hopefully, hopefully we're all starting to feel that sense of urgency about reaching the nations uh, for the Lord because he is coming soon, guys. It doesn't matter where you're at. It doesn't matter if you're uh, in a small town in America or if you're abroad, if you're a missionary, a pastor, we're all called to reach people where we're at. And so um, let's let's have urgency. Let's be urgent about reaching people and, and finding the gleanings um, before Christ comes back and it's time to go home. Thank you guys so much. We'll see you next time. God bless. Thanks for listening. Please rate and subscribe and share us on social media. Also, please make sure to check out our other podcast, Theology Roundtable, at theologyroundtable.com. 